a mean world out there. And it's a mean rage. Let's change the culture. Let's change the way we think about this world. Let's have a hell of a time doing it. Welcome to Mean Age Daydream, a home for comedy, a home for some politics, and a daydream of a world that doesn't suck. I'm Brian McWilliams. Welcome to this man world. Yeah, welcome to the new revamped Electric Liberty Land, now the prior name Electric Liberty Land. Guys, I am Brian McWilliams. This is the new show, Mean Age Daydream, and I am joined by a man who I'm going to introduce in just a minute, but you could be watching this live. We recorded this a couple days ago, and you could be watching live right now if you join the Lions of Liberty Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty. It's cheap. It's easy. Like your mother. Join up. Get in here. Get this live content plus all the bonus shit we do. But as I said, it's a brand new world here. I'm curious to see what my guest today, you will know him as Robbie the Fire or just Robbie Bernstein, depending on, I guess, what point in your life you met him. He is, of course, the co-host of Part of the Problem and has Run Your Mouth podcast, and he's a stand-up comedian of some renown, TBD, to how much renown that is. Robbie, what's up, man? Welcome to Mean Age Daydream. Hey man, it's a pleasure to be here. I've done uh I've hung out with all the other lions and you guys all have good radio voices. I like what you do. Yeah, yeah, we practice. We sit in a we sit in a room and uh just kind of talk at each other in this low baritone to, to really perfect that. It's uh it's odd if you're in the room next to us at most of the conventions <laughs> or in a tent at Porkfest, but as you can see, it paid dividends. No, I respect it. I'm just a yelly mumbly person, uh <laughs> totally unrefined. So I like people with good broadcast voices. I respect it. Well, I got to tell you, man, it's funny because you and I haven't gotten a chance to connect. Like, it's one of those things wait, I've been meaning to have you on for a while. And with the new rebrand, I'm trying to make it more but more comedy centric than I than... know because I'm the AIDS guy. And you're like, I'm going with this new gay angle. So I better have <laughs> Robbie on. I said, I, well, I figured I just needed somebody that was involved with the Disney uh, characters. You know, the Disney's trying to roll out all the, uh, the LGBTQ plus characters. I figured you're in line for a role sometime soon with all this AIDS. So... Get you, you out of you, so. you would think that they would reach out to members of the AIDS community, but they're trying to go with like the more pleasant side of gay. You know what I mean? They're still uh, trying to make it look like it's a nice and friendly lifestyle. So they don't want the people that have really taken the deep dive into gayness. They don't they don't want to expose that. Um, but I think now that you've made your show so gay friendly, I, I think uh, it, I think it's nice that the lines are getting with the times they're adopting <laughs> david bowie one of the gay gayest of the rock and thank, roll artists. thank you for knowing what that reference is you have no idea how many people i showed this logo to and they're like what the fuck is this thunderbolt thing and i'm like it's bowie man it's like his iconic photo so i, I gotta say i only know it i cheated because your original name i knew was a song and i was like i know that song so i looked mm -hmm. it up and i was like oh he must be going with the new song and i was like why the fuck would he go with bowie bowie sucks you su are you kidding me? Bowie sucks. Who do you like better than Bowie? Name one Just person. Just about every single other are classic you rock artist. Fucking kidding me, man! I gotta tell you, I'm I'm a big I'm a big fan of rock, grunge, uh, blues. I listen to a he's, lot of jam. He's bands all now. of those things, though. He's yeah, he's but he a turned it gay. He took it all together and made it suck. No, but there's I, a. I, I thought you'd be into that. There's an entire sphere of classic rock that I don't like, which I, I call it. It's actually got a formal title. I didn't realize it was a title, but like everything in the yacht rock category, which I kind of oh, call yeah. like the softer side of rock. I'd even put the Beatles in there. They can all suck my dick and I'm gay. So I'm actually into that. So, you know, they actually could come over. <sighs> Man. Um, but I got to say, not a Bowie fan. 
I, I, that's the thing for me, Bowie, like the introduction of those hard rocking chords, those are from the intro to Moon Age Daydream, right? I had to hire somebody to do it so I don't get my, my shit pulled out of YouTube every time. But he, he rocked, he, he balloted, he crooned. He wore, he, uh, he wore he, vagina oh, outfits. He actually yeah, managed to- He had sex with Mick Jagger so that your hard rocking Mick Jagger, yeah, David did, Bowie fucked him. And they, what they do you think the about worst, that? They did the worst ever uh, cover of Dancing in the Street. Oh, that was, or the best. It depends on how you look at it. It depends on how ironically you view things. <laughs> Have you ever seen the overdub where like they drop out the music and like someone does like a bad lip sync over it? Oh, uh, is it kind of like oh, no, the, they make... you ever seen the Beach Boys where they're singing like everybody got surfing or something and just it's completely off key? Is oh, like no, I, this one, like they turned it like whispery. It's real whispery. Oh. <laughs> it's, it, you got to check it out. It's worth seeing. I will Wait, you think in. uh you think uh Jagger was the bottom in that? I would also see ja- Jagger as the bottom. I think so, man. I think that he'd be a like a power bottom. You know, like he'd be he'd be pushing up and you're like, oh, David, David, David. Like he'd be pumping backwards, but without a doubt, I think Bowie was the top of that situation. Just because he's like a soft spoken rapist, you know? And I don't right. know this for allegedly. I don't want to be sued by the Bowie family. I bet uh Mick Jagger would be annoying uh, an annoying asshole to drill. Because you'd be like pulling too many like left right dance motions, and so you would have to like be like big enough to kind of hold him in place. Yeah, that's I mean, you'd be I physically big enough or wide enough in his asshole to keep him like keep him on the post. Because he, yeah. yeah, he's shaking the hips all the exactly. Time. So like, I don't know about you. I'm personally I'm bi, so I've been with some women. I think you're all gay all the time. So I don't know if you've had this experience. Hey, don't tell my wife because so far so good. Keep it under wraps. But I've had that experience. We we're trying to have sex with the lady, and like sex is supposed to be like a north south activity and they start getting lost and they're going like left right and i'm like who enjoys this are you with like are there other people with z dicks like who who is this for and then you got to man up and kind of hold him down but i feel like mick jagger would be all slippery he it'd be sweaty greasy you'd be trying to keep him so that you could plow forward and he'd be going left right it wouldn't work you you would 100 percent end up with a snap dick you know it's just like that it takes that right turn and i agree man i even like I can't even do like reverse cowgirl. Maybe because my dick's too big, but that shit even it like Ooh. hurts. The chick's bending forward on it. It's like it's look, my dick doesn't bend with your spine. Your spine's far more malleable than my dick when it's filled with blood. I gotta say, my my mine's not long, but it's wide. I like a reverse cowgirl. It's a good well, angle. Then you and Mick Jagger should get together. Yeah, it, it may be. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, we're talking about voices. I gotta tell you, man, the, it's funny. The first time I saw you. With, uh, without, you know, I, cause I was listening to the podcast and I saw you, I did not equate what you look like to your voice at, at all. And I, 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 I get that a lot. And I'm curious to know, is it that you expected me to be weirder looking or I'm more like, what, what is Don't the sell yourself short. You're, you're pretty funky looking to begin with, but no, <laughs> I expected like, um, I don't even know, man. I expected somebody like just really shaggy. I expect okay. you to look like, I guess, Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. And now you got hair, unfortunately, going my way. But I just did, I don't know, for some reason, it like jarred me so much to see what you looked like in person. I think I saw it when you were on Porkfest on stage. It's the first time I was like, oh, shit, that's what Robbie looks like. I've gotten that from a lot of people. And I'm always curious. Like, I wish I could, uh, I almost wish if before people met me, they sat down with a sketch artist and then came with the drawing <laughs> right. of what I look like in their imagination. Because I'd be fascinated to... I guess better understand what people think my voice should align with. That would be interesting to me. I, I think that would be an awesome use of a sketch artist. I also think, and I used to tell a joke about this on stage that when when you die, you know, women when they die, they end up with their their husband, right? But men when you die, 
you just get to Frankenstein the pieces together of all your hottest conquests into one. Uh, that'd be, that'd be pretty great. Woman. Wouldn't that be a good use for a sketch artist? You're just like, all right, well, let me let me describe, you know, Janine's tits and Stephanie's puss and, you know, uh, Madison's eyes. That'd be fantastic, man. I feel like that's something that uh, people don't talk about enough, and that's vagina quality. Because uh, yes. in most conversations, what we're we're focused on tits, we're focused on ass or whatever your little things are. But no one talks about vagina quality, which uh, I'm going to be honest. I like I like thin women. I like an exposed rib. Agreed. Sometimes if they're, uh, you know, don't have great eyesight and glasses, too. I like something that looks like easy prey and is wounded. I can catch <laughs> in the wild. That's my <laughs> that's my jam. I like nice uh, asses. I got a yes. tits or whatever. I don't care. If, but with all if, that said. The chunky lady's got the tightest pussies. I see. I so that maybe this is going to reflect badly on me. I haven't gone too far down chunk road, right? Rocky road is not my thing. And <laughs> I've only had one time where I tried to, and I got shut down. And I remember it was like, I was at Penn state, which is our school. And I was teaching at this tennis camp and there was a, a bigger girl who like came out to a party and we were, you know, we kind of got it, got it going on. And uh, I invited her up to my room and I remember she shut me down when I tried to like move it to the next level. And I was just like, I was like, you, yeah, my you gr- shut me down. Have you seen yourself in the <laughs> mirror, madam? You know, and my grandfather gave me a very good tip for life. It's counterintuitive, but I think he's actually right on this. And what he pointed out, black people are actually okay, Robbie. (laughs) (laughs) If that's where that was going, that would be awesome. (laughs) Oh, that's great. No, I think I think this was uh, good wisdom that a lot of dudes when they're down and out, they try and go for like uh, the less desirable looking women because they think it's going to be easier, and it's actually tougher because they're more self conscious. When you find attractive chicks, like think about like yourself. If you don't want to take your shirt off, like you're hesitant about it. It's like hot chicks. If like, like they're down because they feel good about it. It's fun. They know that they can replace you if you're not into them. (laughs) Right. The chunky chicks, like they start getting insecure because they don't really want to be seen naked. And then they also realize they can't replace it as easy. So they want to make sure that you're there with the commitment. So you would think that they're the easier leads, but they're not. They come with more bullshit. Dude, that's, I completely agree with you. I like that. See, I, I do public relations. You're in sales. I like the lead lingo there. Good job <laughs> working that in. So, wait, so by the way, before we get into the into more uh, shit talk, what do you think of the rebrand? I'm, I'm curious to know. You're the first ex- person exposed to it. So, what do you think? Super yeah, gay? No, can you move <laughs> move over a little bit so I can see it? Uh, hold on. Let, here, I'll, let me see. I, let me see if I can do something with the brand. Maybe I can just pull up. Um, here, I'll play the intro video again. You can see the whole... The whole schmageggy. All right, there you go. So that's like the logo, right? It's my head with a bunch of shit coming out. Here's here's my honest take. I think first and foremost, I just think like if Bowie didn't exist, it's a good name. Mean Age Daydream. It's got a good flow. I like it. I think the logo looks cool. I'm not a Bowie fan. So the fact that it's tied in with Bowie for me makes it kind of lose points. But I think if you're excited about it, then, you know, have fun with it. And when you realize it's gay, you'll change it up. Yeah. Or just, or just go gay. I mean, look, we need the libertarian movement needs a lot more gay people in it. Right. If we're going to really get a a coalition going. So maybe I'm the conduit there. Yeah. And all these autistic men, they're not breeding or mating or meeting women. So they might as well learn how to switch it. Fucking a right, man. I mean, these guys—they could be easily be chubby bears. Like, just get, get, grow your hair out, get fat, and go into a leather bar, and you guys are going to get laid in no time. Wouldn't it be funny if we brought so many gay people in, 
it became its own category of gay where you're autistic and wanted to end the Fed. <laughs> like it was its own like subcategory. Look, guys, I just want to end the Fed. <laughs> now, who wants their dick sucked? <laughs> yeah, I don't care how many assholes I have to plow to get it done. <laughs> plowing asses and reigning in the fiat <laughs> currency well the one thing i i i shouldn't volunteer this but the one thing i thought of this name uh especially with the amount of you know pro uh let's get rid of, rid of the child sex laws in america libertarians is mean age daydream like what's your daydream what's your mean age for the people you'd like to have sex with is it 12 is it eight? Oh. You know, what's the what's the middle ground? Like that's okay. that's the thing that it springs to my mind that like somebody could be like, what the f- mean age? What does that mean? So anyway, I you know I didn't look at it that way. That's kind of like a nerdy math pun. Exactly right. Well, again, I'm bringing in all the popular people to the movement. That's all you can ask for. Now, do you usually do a more sophisticated show than me coming on and talking about gay sex, or is this kind of what you do? This is what I want the show to be. Honestly, okay. I do. I do more. I mean, I've been doing a more sophisticated show where I break down the news cycle. I mean, sophisticated, not in. I. I don't. I try to not get into the weeds. I used to do that when I started the podcast, right? Like, and maybe I should do more of that, like education stuff, like breaking it down as far as like here's what libertarian philosophy is, and here's how it would work in real life. But it got really boring for me to do that. So then I said, okay, I'm just going to do current events. So I just break it down, try to make some jokes. Uh, I mean, it's similar to what you do on your podcast, although you like, you really go quick. You're here. <laughs> I listened to, I was listening to some today, which I actually wanted to talk about one, one topic to kick it off, but, um, about the, uh, the child sex or, or the trans stuff. Cause you had a great tweet about it too, which we'll get to in a minute. But, um, no, I mean, I try to keep it fairly accessible because when I started the show, I tried to make it, I was like, look, I want to make a libertarian show that's accessible to people that aren't libertarians. But then all that ended up happening was that I ended up getting wrapped up and, and getting pissed off about shit. So it just became the least accessible show because I'm cursing and calling progressives retards half the time. And, you know, so now I'm trying to, I think I'm trying to rein that and go the other way a little bit. Hey man, whatever makes it fun for you. I've also had... The problem is, I mean, I, I I crank out a lot of episodes, so sometimes if you research something too much, you're just, by the next day, you're done with it, and you're like, I don't have the mental capacity to delve yeah. this far into the next topic. And then I also, like, I can delve into a topic for, like, I can, I can exert all my mental capacity on a topic, and I'm still not going to be an expert on it. Right. I'm, you know what I mean? So it's like, I, I kind of specialize on what I do, which is one, I'm very good at kind of calling bullshit. I can really see through the way that they're selling us on stuff. And then, you know, I try and just keep it funny and be like, you know, here, here's my perspective, but you know, it, the research, research gets old. Yeah, man, exactly. Well, it's like, I have still not read man economy and state and I'm not going to, it's right. too long. I'm not going to do it. I just can't. I tried six times. I'm like, sit down. I'm like, I can't. With this fucking thing. I can't do it. But I like John McAfee when he ran. I love John McAfee, right? Legend. Rest in peace, big guy. But I he was a great libertarian without having to read the books. And I've read a, a shit ton of libertarian literature, you know, but I view myself as like, all right, I'm a John McAfee style libertarian, libertarian at heart, libertarian in messaging. You know, you can kind of understand things in that fashion, and that's how you communicate them, right? You shouldn't have to read every single book that exists to be able to communicate the message. And in fact, I think having that and constantly referencing it turns people off because it's like, I don't give a shit how many times you read Hoppe or you read Hayek or you read Rothbard. Just nobody cares. And the people that already read it are just nodding along being like, I read that too. And it's like, yeah, I'm going to jerk myself off that, that we both read this book. It's like, who gives a fuck? Yeah, no one's ever liked the person in conversation who went, well, actually I read about that in a book. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. No one <laughs> wants to hear from that guy. I mean, sometimes we all want like, the guy that read about it on the internet, but then can't remember the website, which is what yeah, I do. Constantly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So, by the way, I wanted to, I wanted to, before we get into more libertarian topics here, just like, you know, man, I, I don't know how many people know a little bit about you as a person and your background. I mean, I don't even know. Yeah, that's right. Good. I like the drinking. I mean, I don't know how you and Dave, I guess, just met on the circuit. I don't know how you got into comedy to begin with. I mean, I know you came from this background, just from your referencing it, of, you know, being like on the, on the path to rabbihood. And then making that fucking flip, man. I'm sure you've talked about it on your podcast, but yeah, I'm sure my audience would be curious to hear how the hell that happened. All right. So for the, I, I was actually, uh, I, I was never going for, uh, for becoming a rabbi, but I, and I know that this is odd. I you were just trying to get, you're just trying to get a manager position at J date and it just kind <laughs> yeah, of exactly. just snowballed. <laughs> yeah. I was looking for uh, more of a minor league role in the rabbi circuit. <laughs> no, I did. I mean, this is interesting. I actually did I, I envision, I, and this is like the least cool thing to want to do when you're 18 or 19 years old, but I envisioned a life as a professional, but religious scholar. Like I really thought I was going to study yeah. a lot of Talmud on the side and be a guy who really knew his Talmud. Uh, but the thing is, I never actually liked it. And at some point, <laughs> no. my your di my discipline kind of wore thin. Um, and uh, so in college, you know what was like, I guess going into college, um, I, I really did have an interest like in radio or like writing TV, uh, like in comedy specifically. I never like there's so many people that grew up like watching all these stand up specials. And I wasn't one of them. I wasn't even like that familiar with stand up comedy. But I. Uh, like open mic, you could just show up and do it. Like, so I didn't know how to get into TV, radio, or anything. So I just started doing open mics in the city, and then I just kind of fell in love with stand up and kept yeah. doing it. That's that's literally how I got into stand up. And I, now, granted, I I stopped doing it because uh, I just was I couldn't stay up late, late, late. I, I just couldn't deal with it. How many but years were you doing it for? I did it. I did it for about two years, where I was actually trying to go to the clubs and do the bigger rooms and doing all that. You know, I was doing I was doing independent booker shows, bar shows, where, and then where, doing what city? So I'm in I'm in Los Angeles. Okay, yeah. So there, there were a shit ton of bar shows I could do, and I was consistently doing bar shows. You know, every every week, every other week. You know, and then I go to the comedy store for these, but they're booker shows. You know, they're right. like the horse shit, bring your friends horse shit shows. And that just got, I felt like I was just using and abusing my friends and I couldn't go sit at the comedy store at 3 p.m. because I had a full-time job. I got into comedy right. late. So I did it for about two years where I was like, maybe I can make it. And then I was like, I just can't, I can't invest in it. And then I just started doing my own show at a bar and doing other bar shows for about like five years. I ran a show. So I'm trying to bring that back. So I did it for a while, but still nowhere near like what you and Dave do or any you know real professional stand-up comic would do. Seven year stretch is solid. What? Uh, how old were you when you started? So I the the show ended when I turned I think thirty eight. So it's been a, it's been a few years since my show ended. So I had to be roughly thirty ish when I started getting into it. I couldn't. It. Yeah. So I couldn't imagine. I started uh, in college at age twenty four, yeah. and I uh, I mean, like I, I've really dedicated a lot to it. And I've missed out on, yeah. I, I missed out on a lot of life, like pursuing it, um, which like I love, like I, th th there's no part of me that's like looks down on that, but I don't know how anyone does it unless like when you hit it later in life, you're smarter and just naturally a little bit funnier, a little bit more comfortable. Like I remember in the early years, like working two jobs, going into the city, like not sleeping, just like shit I couldn't do now. Like it would be physically impossible to do it. Yeah. 
Well, that's what killed me, man. It was like, I, cause I, I had a full-time gig, you know, I was a publicist making money, had, you know, had my apartment, had all, it was like a shit I had to pay for. And I was, that's what killed me. It was like, I just can't commit the time to do it. Like I can't wait to do the, you know, the open shows where you can get seen by the bookers at the comedy store or at the, I've had that with jobs now also where it's like, I like, I don't want to be out at one in the morning waiting to go up on stage. I have a day job. Like, yeah. yeah. And you have to, and and like the, the job requires you to sit there and be there consistently. Like they, like them seeing you there all the time is half of you getting stage time at the club. And yeah. I haven't done a good job of that as of late, but that is, uh, (laughs) that is an element for sure. (laughs) How much are you getting up now? Uh, luckily, I'm st- it's starting to ramp up. Um, yeah. My process has changed quite a bit, and I'm, I'm actually getting a lot out of uh, going live in the mornings uh, and kind of trying to write as many like jokes as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's starting to ramp up. I, I like I'm starting to get up at this place in Brooklyn called Brooklyn Comedy Club. Uh, so I'll I'll get up there once or twice a week. I do this open mic in Connecticut, trying to headline every weekend somewhere else, and then. Aside from all that, you know, doing my podcast, which I write a lot of jokes for. So uh, I'm competitive and, you know, I, I want to be I, I like I, 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 I'm not where I want to be with it yet. But like, I really want to be pretty damn good at it. So I, yeah. I work. I, I try and get as mu- up as much as possible and like just keep working on material. Yeah. What's your I mean, what's your process now when you when you write stuff? Is it just looking at the news? Do you uh, do you keep your pad on you all the time or how do you go about <laughs> it? So I, I have my phone on me all the time and like. I, I sometimes I get annoying because like I'll be hanging out with people. I'll be like, oh, should I just like that's actually a good joke premise. And like, you know, and that kind of removes you from life where people are like, we're just trying to hang out. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> so I definitely have that. Like, I'm always I, I like I I have my phone on me every single time something happens that I think there's I, 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 I note it JP and then I write down whatever the premise is. And then like when I have time, I'll kind of revisit those and flush them out. Uh, other than that, like every morning. Uh, every morning I kind of like, I, you know, I run through the news and as I'm thinking of jokes, I just put it together for, um, uh, for like the morning briefings. Sometimes if there's something that I think is like particularly good for standup, I won't do it on the briefings. I'll like save it for a show. And then other times there'll be something like a topic that I hit and I'm like, Oh, there's more there. And so I'll kind of make a note of that, that I'm going to like revisit and try and write it out. Right. Uh, this might be getting too technical. And then like, I try and keep yeah. a couple of days a week that like, I actually reserve for, uh, specifically writing standup. Cause like, dude, I got fi- I mean, if you listen to the show, I got crazy fucking ADD. I'm not, I'm limited <laughs> on my mental focus and I'm crazy. So I like, I do just try and commit to like a certain amount of time sitting at my computer trying to flush out ideas. I can't start from scratch. Like if I sit on my computer, just like, oh, I'm going to write just stand-up, staring into nothing. Yeah. That doesn't work. But what I can do is go like, Oh, I had this concept and then like, I'll just start like kind of trying to write it out and, you know, piece it together from there. Uh, and I gotta be honest, I've been doing comedy now 11 years and I put out some material I'm really proud of. I'm still not a hundred percent sure on how I do it or like, I still don't have like a perfect system. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure there is no perfect system, but I was just curious, you know, people I think are always interested to hear how people come up with jokes, you know? So it's just a good to, to hear the, the feedback, but so Going back to one of the things I mentioned earlier, like, so how did you and Dave connect? And I don't want to make this about Dave because fuck Dave, you're the power behind the throne and everybody knows it. There you go. So, but I, but I was curious to see how you guys connected. It was just like a random comedy club meetup or did you have a, you know, like a, so, an existing history because of the movement or. I don't remember. I, I don't remember when I first met Lewis and Dave, but at one point, like they were working at LOL and I started hanging out there every single night. And, um, 
what happened with LOL was firstly, like you said, with the hanging out and I'm not good at it. It sucks. And I used to do a lot of just hanging out. And at one point I got passed at LOL and the booker left. And then I heard that they were still doing shows and LOL. It was not a club. It was the worst place in all of New York city. And so I had the confidence after having been passed in the fact that it was the worst place in New York city that I was like, I'm getting in here. So what I would do is I go into the city every day at, I, I work this shitty job eight to 12. I think I got paid like 20 bucks an hour doing data entry. I'd work four hours a day and then I would get beers. I take the train into the city. I would do open mics all afternoon till 8 PM. And then at 8 PM, I would go to LOL and it was like fight club where I just sat. I I just sat in the hallway. Like that was my homework. (laughs) And I was, I drank at the time. So it wasn't like the worst thing in the world, but I literally just showed up there every night. And I sat in that hallway and Dave and Lewis at the time were there every night. So at some point, you know, they kind of opened up to, Hey, this fucking weirdo is just sitting here. And they started putting me up on stage and nice guys. <laughs> yeah. Over the course, over the course of like two years, I became friends with them. We were there drinking every night. And, uh, I, at one point, cause Dave was always fucking talking politics. I mean, like it, like the way he is on the show, six hours a night doesn't shut the uh, fuck dude, up. I know I, I, when I, when I've seen him at events, <laughs> I'm like, I'm trying to talk about like our kids and whatever. He just it segues directly into politics immediately. I'm like, all right, I mean, I so, you want to break from that, but I guess not. Now I love it. At the time, I was just a fucking drunk. I didn't give a shit. I was like, <laughs> I'm just trying to drink. Can you shut the fuck up? Who cares? Let's just drink. I'm, I'm exaggerating. But at one point, I came across, I used to read, the only thing I read, I was not a big reader at the time, but on Sundays, I used to read the New York Times. I don't even remember the column anymore. They used to have like their essays. And there was this essay in there by David Stockman. And I for, and he, he, he talked about something about like the bubble nature of the economy and I had a finance degree. And the second I read it, like it just in, in my head, I was like, that's truth. That's interesting. I have to go read this guy's book. So I picked up David Stockman's The Great Deformation, which is a giant chunk of a book. And I'm reading it. I'm really enjoying it. Uh, and by the way, once again, I was like a real drunk at the time. I didn't read that much. But like there was something about this book that really intrigued me. So Dave's Mr. Smarty Pants. I'm like, I'm going to show up, Dave. He thinks he's so smart. I'm like, Dave, check out this book I'm reading. And Dave's like, oh, yeah, I read that. That's a great book. I was like, you fucking kidding me? I was like, how the fuck did Dave already read this book? And then from there, like, we were already, dude, we were already drinking buddies. We we're hanging out all the time. But then we started bonding on the politics a little bit more. Yeah, nice, man. Well, that's awesome. Well, all right. Let's get into some topics here. Like, speaking of comedy. Sure. So I mentioned you had a great tweet that uh, that I reached. I think I retweeted, actually. I hope I, I hope I did anyway. Maybe I just liked it. But it was funny because Biden had just announced, you know, came out and Biden and his administration, big shocker when he's got this, you know, uh, the the woman leading the uh, HHS or whatever it is, used to be a dude, but announces to this big press conference that they are for gender affirming surgery and they're for top and bottoms, top scores, you know, giving tits or taking tits away, bottoms, tucking dicks or making dicks. Oh, I stand and- by what I said. Oh, well, and, and what you said was, was I think, genius is that, you know, you had this tweet. You said, well, OK, so if we're saying that you could have this trans affirmation and, and you know, we're changing trans, then did God make a mistake? And I oh. think that was a, that's what I was talking about, man, because I, I thought that was a really, really funny point. And then I was listening so to just, the podcast. I, 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 God, I, yeah. I'm going to go uh, OCD libertarian on you. So there, there was okay, re- please do. You're uh, you're joining two jokes together. Oh, there shit. A, am I sorry? It's, okay. it's all right. There was a New York Post article where Biden said that trans people are made in the image of God. And so uh. on that one, I, 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 I sent back. Are you saying that God made a mistake? Which right. like, I mean, <laughs> so the idea that God is so evil that he would create someone and put them into the wrong body for them to then have to go through this process 
how yeah. evil is this God that you believe in, right? Or you believe in this other paradigm, which is that there's science and that like, I guess God doesn't exist. And so people mistakenly can be like born into the wrong bodies. And luckily we have science. And so that, and even though it's not the most pleasant of processes, we can make this change for you. But the idea that, that God is like, you either believe in an evil God, like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a weird concept to go. These people are born in the image. So God made a mistake. God purposely put these people into the wrong bodies the other one was that they were just talking about like making the 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 uh, the gender reassignments, and so I was offering to donate my tits to a a child in need <laughs> who was trying to become I didn't a lady. See that one? <laughs> yeah, I, no, because I didn't see that. there might be a teenage person out there in need of a nice fresh pair of tits. I feel like I've got a sporty pair that would look good on like you know a teenage uh, male looking to become a female. I'd like to help him out. Well, and you got you said you got a big thick dick, so you could sacrifice half that cock, give somebody else a chance. No, I'm not giving out any cock. No, no, no. Cocks for me. <laughs> I'm willing to give up these tits. I'm willing to donate them. No, you're a cock hoarder. That's what we call you people. <laughs> uh, but you know, I was thinking about this too. It's funny. You're talking about making God's image. So this is something you said on the podcast, which I thought was pretty a pretty interesting point. Is we're talking about the trans issue and specifically that, you know, it, you know, why would an evil God, right? If God's if God is gonna put these people in these bodies. Is this now the test? Like, is this like a test of their faith type of thing, right? And it's like you think about, you know, what he did with you know, Abraham. You must, you have to sacrifice your son because you have to appease me, God. Is this the new Abraham? Is this sacrifice? Because so, literally, yeah. right, you're getting a sex change for your kid. You're sacrificing your son to make a daughter, vice versa. Is this putting these people, these children, through the new trials to prove that they're man enough to be, uh, I don't know, to meet God's standards? No, it's a, I think it's a sick and twisted vision that people could, firstly, just to take a step back, I actually don't, the trans thing, I, I got a weird take on it. And I, I, I've said this on the podcast, chaos is the emergence of new patterns, not yet readily understood. I personally don't live a life of religion, so I don't feel it's fair of me to uphold these standards on other people. I think well, if, you live, I. <laughs> if you live, no, but I think if you live within a religious model, I fully understand why um, you don't like the idea of this and you think that it might lead to sexual perversion or other issues. And so you don't want it. And I believe in the freedom of discrimination. And so people should be allowed to live in communities of like-minded individuals. Both sides of this don't bother me. I do honestly think that this could be a scientific issue in in the future. The technology is so good that you can rapidly and easily change your gender and that human beings are probably born in labs. And this is going to be a conversation that we look back in the past and almost go, oh my God, it's weird that humans had to deal with this. But that's that's yeah. the non-God model, which I'm fine with. I'm fine with the non-God model. Like It doesn't bother me. The people who are within the God model, the religion I grew up in, like in, this is not Christianity, but it was a Jewish thing. God didn't like changes. He didn't like you mixing wool and linen. That's a thing in Jewish law. It's called shotnays. You're not allowed to mix wool and linen. There's even when it comes to uh, like crops, like you're not allowed, you're allowed to own a mule, but as a Jewish person, you can't go make a mule. You're not supposed to be interbreeding species, even if you end up with better species. Or right, like well, that, even, maybe, maybe you can't interbreed because they don't want people fucking mules and fucking sheep like, the, like <laughs> no, my no, people, no. the Scots did. No, I'm saying as a Jew, you're allowed to own a mule. You're not allowed to make a mule because that's a violent, like I'm telling you in religious law, there was another one, even when it came to plants that God doesn't like it, it. There was kind of this idea. God kind of created the species the way that they're like intended to be. And he actually doesn't really want man tweaking it. Now I've been out of yeshiva for over a decade. So maybe I have that story a little bit wrong, 
but the idea that like the idea that God created a scientific model by which he wants you to change your gender, I, I think you'd have a hard time fitting that into the God and Christian model. I would agree. Well, my, where my mind went after we, you know, th- Sorry, I, heard I just turned that. the joke into the least funny version. <laughs> I get more right, serious man. when I drink. I'm like the opposite. Well, <laughs> no, it's all good. Don't worry. I, I get more irreverent and more racist. So I, um, I was thinking the way I, I was like, you know, this is interesting. Like introducing this concept of, all right, like I said, like the new Abraham, and I'm like thinking, I'm like, okay, with the 1984 kind of filter we put on everything now, right? We're revising everything. The Constitution's malleable. Our rights are malleable. Is the Bible now malleable? I've got it. The Bible, I'm sure, has been changed over time without us not, like knowing it necessarily. Is the left going to try to change the Bible well, look, 1984 style to adjust and make it so that this is the new, you know, the, like, is there is there going to be a new entry in the Bible where somebody has to go through becoming a woman when they were a man because that's what God wanted? I think for sure, yes, because the Pope is already a fucking socialist, dude. Oh, fuck You look at every time this Pope opens up his mouth, it's leftist agenda, global warming. I don't know who bought that guy. And it's not like the church doesn't have a record of being bought, but that guy's a politician. And I wouldn't be surprised if if he shifted on abortion. (laughs) They've already shifted on gay stuff. Like, I've already seen it. Listen, like I said, I'm not on the religious model. I don't hold myself to that standard. So I don't care what anyone else does, and I'm not holding them to that standard. Well, like I've seen it within the Jewish Orthodox community. They're a little bit more accepting of gay people. Now I'm promiscuous. I'm having sex with people. Uh, I'm not married. You can be right. Yeah. I'm not planning on getting married. So I don't care if you're gay, but like you can't, I I don't really understand. You can be openly gay and hang out with your rabbi. Like you kind of have to make your choices. I don't care, but I'm just saying that's not what, (laughs) like, that's not what the religion is. You know what I mean? This is the yeah. same thing with this one. It's like you, you can reinvent the religion to make it fit whatever the fuck you want to pretend God wanted, or you can just admit that that's not God's thing. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, they, I mean, they were finally revised. I think that the sun is, or the earth revolves, the sun revolves around the earth, right? How long, I don't know how long. Remember, the Bidens are years. fucking kids anyways. Why are they pretending to be religious? Fucking ain't right, man. I mean, <laughs> Jesus Christ, the, the amount of pedophiles that are rampant in these elite circles. Yeah, well, now we're going really off on a tangent, but I mean, it is madness how many people are now kind of tied in like i mean i don't know what happened right we've we said the hunter biden laptop is official right even the washington post admitted it wasn't there and maybe i'm misremembering this but i swear to god wasn't there a video that was supposedly of hunter biden having sex with like young chinese children on that laptop uh so yeah do you remember the story when the laptop scandal first broke the most scandalous claims was that there was certainly pedophilia on those laptops and that it would like showcase the fact that Hunter Biden engaged in, uh, uh I don't know why I'm talking like such an academic relations with, with children. <laughs> it's a fucking pedophile. So and that's all they, the hallmarks of, of Biden pedophilia. That's what they claimed. Now, the problem with that claim is that where do you go to verify it without potentially getting yourself in trouble? So for mm. example, and I, someone at one point sent me a link to 4chan saying all this material has been leaked. Now, I was curious because I was going off on the fact that I wanted to see what Hunter Biden's dick looked like. If I'm hearing about a public official in the news and there's dick pictures out there, what are we dealing with here? Hunter Biden, great piece. You know, you can you can you can not like what he's doing with it. You can tell him, hey, that's an adult utensil. Use it on adult women. 
I'm fine with all that, but you got to respect that those Bidens, they got they, wonderful penises. Game respects game, man. I mean, a, yeah. a man, any man that's proud of his cock would have to respect Hunter Biden's cock. It's a, it's thick. It's long. It's everything you <laughs> hope for in a nice cock. Well, that's why his brother's wife smoked crack and fucked him so many times after, uh, you know, Bo died. There you go. Because once you go Biden, you know, you, you got to stay within the family. Those are, <laughs> those are the nice meaty pieces are. So I remember clicking on it and just instantly being like, I don't want to be here because I don't know. I don't know what I'm like. like I don't want to be here. Uh, so the answer is I, I, it, I, it. The claim was made. Those materials do exist as to whether or not that that would be person who's underage. I mean, who, who's verifying that? Who's validating it? Right. That's kind of my thought. I was like, I was like, I don't know, man. Look, the Chinese had a bunch of chicks in the Olympics who were supposed to be uh, 13 that turned out to be 21 or something, right. you know, a few years ago. So I don't know. You could you could probably find young looking chicks. I don't put anything past the Bidens in any way. I think that they probably are pedophiles. I mean, Biden stroking children and smithing their hair and telling weird stories is enough. You know, President Biden, not Hunter Biden. So that makes they me go, think that probably, But they get so loony with it. He has the uh, like. He has that weird tattoo on his back that almost looks like the monster logo that they were saying was an etch out of the Finger Lakes. And then they were going the Finger right. Lakes. That's where they traffic all the kids. And like, wait a second. So these guys are so in love with pedophilia <laughs> and like they so worship their demon monsters that they offer these kids to that they're actually tattooing. And then why wouldn't they just tattoo obscure, a child sacrifice? Why would it be an obscure right. lake reference? Yeah, tattoo Moloch on there. Not a, yeah, not a random. It's not like the gay, the gay scarf code where you're walking around. And you're like, I'm into butt sex. I'm into fisting. <laughs> it's not like you have finger lakes on your back. And then you're like, oh, well, hopefully somebody sees this and offers me their child to fuck in the bathroom. Yeah. So there's an issue of projecting that, like, it's hard to envision that, like, like, I understand rational behavior and people like getting bribed by China because they can make a shit ton of money. Like, I understand that. It's hard to envision this landscape where people are worshiping demon creatures and offer like it's just yeah. it, it's a hard reality to kind of uh, envision as it's so distant from what I can even comprehend like my like like I can understand why people make mistakes in life like I understand mistakes I understand like doing shitty things because you're being paid for it. I understand hooking up with the 16 year old because she was hitting on you. I understand how that can happen. I don't understand. Like the Done idea it. that you're hijacking. <laughs> oh, there you go. Hijacking 14 year olds. She had a fake ID, by the way. Oh, well, you this know, is a I, true, this is a true story. Yeah, Actually, no, no. It's not. she wasn't, she wasn't 16. Never she wasn't 16. She wasn't that was 16. She was a pubic hair no, of an 18 year old. I, I was in a, I was in a bar where uh, you just don't, two just chicks don't had share fake ID. All right. Don't, good idea. Don't share good idea. Good it idea. Never happened. We didn't do anything. We didn't do anything, but it, but it happens. I understand how it happens because it happens. It was we're over 18 and I stand by it. Um, so I don't know all, all the, I'm not saying that the pedophilia thing doesn't exist, but I definitely like reason and evidence and all that stuff just seems a little loony to me. Yeah, no, I, I feel you there, but it's also, that's the thing. It's, it's so hard right now, right? In this day and age, you say like, we all want to say like, okay, look, I want to have a healthy skepticism, right? Which I think everybody's lost. Like nobody's got skepticism. You either want to believe what you want to believe, right? Whether that's, our bent that everything's a lie, that these people are, that the elites are pedophiles or the left wants to believe that all Trumpers are racist pieces of shit. And they'll believe anything that comes out about Donald Trump, even though it's, you know, three years of lying on now a proven fake dossier that Hillary Clinton's getting fined $8,000 for big, big penalty, big kick in the twat for Hillary Clinton. But the skepticism is, 
I think so strong that you you question whether or not there's more behind the scenes because everything's so manicured that it's hard to believe there's not. Like it's like everything's so controlled. Where your mind automatically goes is there's evil shit lurking behind this veneer, right? Yeah. When you have something that controlled. And, and to speak to that, I mean, the Epstein story had been around forever. Like, I remember yeah. when it came back, or I was like, Epstein, that's been around forever. And then it turned out to be true. And it turned out that the FBI had covered it up. And then that, it turned like so. ABC tried to write, a, tried to talk about it. Um, right. Some reporter, and, she, and they, they said no because of they didn't want to anger Prince Harry and uh, Meghan Markle. And of so, course, this chick tells the story later and, and makes herself out to be a martyr. And it's like, you could have still told the story. So just objectively, <laughs> if you take a step back, the statement that there's pedophiles in Washington has now been proved accurate. Like, so I'm just yeah. saying from like a technical perspective, we've proved that the elites of government do seem to engage in some sort of uh, desire to be with children. So it's like we've already exposed that aspect of it. Now, does it go all the way to the fact that they're sacrificing them to owl gods? If I find it hard to believe, but you know, Debatable. we're already in the camp that they're clearly into it. So who knows? Right. Well, I mean, and that's the way I think you have to look at it. I mean, it, I mean, when you have something established, you have to have an open mindset of like, who knows? All right, what here's, a drunk, here's a drunk question for you. Okay. Now, go for it. All right. Let's go into this reality that these people actually do. Uh, sacrifice to Moloch, the the owl god. Yeah. Okay. Now, do you think that in their reality, some power is given to them? Like in the same way, if you have a belief in God, I think a lot of people have faith that God's looking out for them, or that there's some karma to it. In these people's vision of reality, is it like by sacrificing and doing the shit to children, Moloch keeps them in power? Do you think Moloch ever like in these people reality ever comes to them in a dream or they're ever like a service and the like, I felt the spirit of Moloch. Like, what do you think the experience is to them? If it's just completely like just a ritual of nonsense and like they show up the same way you might show up to church and just be like, this is nonsense, but my dad's into it. So I'm going to sit here. Or do you think there's some juice that they feel with, like there's something that they experience? I think that there's a, a shit ton of drugs involved. I think Madison Cawthorn, I think that's his name, Madison Cawthorn, right? I think he's fucking R2D toing with a, a tray on his head full of cocaine lines and quaaludes that these people are getting high on. I think that there's, I do think that's true. I think there's a shitload of drugs involved. So God knows what they're seeing, what they're tripping out on, if this is true. If they're at this island, which we know the island exists, right? And Alex Jones snuck in there. We know it, that is a thing. It exists. They've been there. To, we know there's like these. I don't, think he, he, I don't think he snuck into the island. He snuck into uh, the thing in California, the, the, uh, the Bilderberg. The, oh, I thought, wait, no, I thought he was in the Moloch gathering. Yeah, so that's the Bilderberg one. The, the Moloch okay, thing was, yeah. but the big owl god is the California. I think it's in California. Yeah, um, yeah like I've seen pictures of the temple and all that shit, right? Yeah. So, so with that, but well, to get back to your question, so I think there's a shit ton of drugs involved. So a god knows what these people see. If you ever been tripping on mushrooms or you know whatever it is that you know, pork fest, you can see crazy things. But <laughs> I also think that regardless of what Moloch gives them. The real power just comes from the fact that all these people are buying into this shit and that they're there together, which gives you so much blackmail on right. everybody else. Like it's, you know, you now are in this group. You can't cross this group because they're going to fuck you if you do. They know all your secrets. And now you get power because of the secrets. 
right? It's kind of like being a Scientologist, I guess, except with less kitty fucking, presumably. So I don't think you can fuck thetans out of somebody. At least right. that's not what they did to me with the e-meter. The other part I can conceptualize, and this is very dark, is that if you are like, if you have no concept of an afterlife or morality, and you entirely believe in like this world is being a place of power and Yolo. pleasure, right? <laughs> so, but like, if like, so, I think venturing deep outside of the realm of normal behavior is a way of experiencing your power, almost like in a mob movie. The way that like, you know, they'll beat the fuck out of someone, shoot someone in public. It's like a way of experiencing the fact that you're untouchable. So I would venture to guess that this is part of like the physical experience of like, oh, look at the power that I have that I can get away with this. Dude, I think there's a lot to be said with that. When it comes to power and pedophilia, like what's the ultimate taboo? It's got to be snuff and pedophilia, right? But if the kids keep coming back, that's probably the ultimate because you're like, they can't even do anything about it. The parents are letting me do it. I like how Robbie's stifling yawns right now. <laughs> no, no, no. Politely, not at all. though. Politely. <laughs> Absolutely not. You don't think I know what it looks like to stifle a yawn? You were the one talking, motherfucker. You're boring yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all in right, it, baby. Well, we're talking pedophilia. This is my favorite topic. Uh, th- there's, there's nothing better. Well, wait, I, I, I want to. Well, we could keep talking about pedophilia uh, ad nauseum, which, by the way, there's a shit ton of pedophiles on Twitter. Segway into and Chrissy Bayer does a good job of exposing Twitter pedophiles. There's like child porn posted on Twitter, but you see Elon Musk is going to save us from social media. Did you see he just bought like it's 3 billion of Twitter? Well, nine, yeah. I guess nine point something percent to be accurate. Yeah, Do you know, man. does, uh, does Dorsey still own any shares? Uh, yeah, they said he still owns, he owns something like two percent or no, no, he owns yeah, like 2.5 or something like that. So Elon, whatever Elon bought was four times what Dorsey owns currently. Interesting. Uh, I mean, I'd be a little bit surprised if he's able to. Uh, I think the reason why Twitter acts in the capacity that it does is because people at very high levels of government basically told them, hey, if you want to keep your business, this is the way that this is going to operate. I think that's true of Facebook. I think that's true of most of these tech. Like, I, I think the, you kind of get your lesson of, hey, you're either going to play ball or you're not going to have your business anymore. Now, as interesting as Elon Musk is, Elon Musk is a very interesting individual and he seems to be freedom and liberty loving. He's a also ideal. He's definitely autistic on some level. Right. So but he's what we all can strive for. How much of his profits are actually coming from government credits yep. for green energy? Like that guy has to be one of the most in the system individuals that exist. Now I, I'm not speaking in absolutes. I don't have absolute numbers here. And I'm not saying that like Elon Musk doesn't believe in Liberty or that, but like these people are CEOs. They're responsible to shareholders. They're responsible to a lot of jobs. And sometimes when you got to make decisions between, you know, ideals and keeping a business alive, there's a lot of good that comes from keeping your business alive, which is that Consumers can still enjoy some level of a product. A lot of people can still keep their jobs. You still get to maintain your lifestyle. And, you know, no one's really being harmed. Like, even by Twitter censorship, it might make us a less free country, but like, I don't like it. It's not good, but it's not like someone's being stuffed in, you know, a cell or someone's being beaten alive. It's not like the worst moral decision to just be able to keep your business. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I. Yeah. I don't imagine uh, Musk being as above the system as 
as you and I or other libertarians might hope. I, I don't think he's, I've actually criticized Musk before for that exact reason, right? He took a shit ton of subsidies. Like he got a ton of tax breaks to build his facilities in California, which I think he's now moved to Texas, but he got an unbelievable amount of money, which is even a double fuck you, right? I'm a California taxpayer uh, for better or worse. He got a shit ton of money to build his facility out here, right? And create all these jobs. And then he's like, all right, fuck off. I'm leaving. Great. So glad we gave him all that money. But it's also, you know, li- people in the liberty movement, they're like, okay, if you take unemployment, you're evil. If you take a government uh, small business loan, you're evil. If you take a subsidy because of this or that, you're evil. I view it as, look, everything in capitalism, right, is you're playing a game. That's what it is. You're playing the game. The game is money, and you need to know the rules of the game, and how you navigate those rules is how you get ahead. And look, Elon Musk is fucking winning, man. I wish I was as good at navigating the game as Elon Musk. Because I'm sorry, if you're ignoring benefits that can come to you because you want to be principled libertarian, you're a fucking idiot. Because look at what Elon Musk does. If he has a tangible impact on Twitter, if he, with his 10%, can turn that shit around and make it free speech and stop shadow banning people and make it into what it used to be, then... His $3 billion he made with government assistance using the system that you people are railing against is far more effective and better than you whiny libertarian bitches saying that you want to stick to your morals and you're not going to use anything that the government has put into place. It's a fucking game. You win games. And he's winning. <laughs> well, the other side of that, which is, uh, I guess, not as positive an outlook, is that when they start policing other people's behaviors like in order to rig the game. So for example, it's, uh, and I'm not saying Musk is doing this, but when you start making that gas cars have to be 40 miles a gallon, or you start saying, listen, we'll do our part, our Twitter, we'll police it, but then you got to put regulation on everyone else so that no one else can step in and compete, or you're lobbying for the credits and you're making it harder for the competition to step in. So I'm not saying that Musk is doing any of that, but I'm just saying in your vision of uh, playing the game, you're looking at it like government just sets the like, I, and I'm, I get that it was just your example, but in your yeah, example, yeah, exactly, it's kind of government sets the rules, and so the players respond. But the reality is, the players are able to kind of manipulate those rules so that they can kind of cheat the system, which is what really corrupts the capitalism. Oh no, you're a hundred percent correct. But like I say, it's you know, like it, we're not in a perfect system, and you have you know. As I said, I'll give Elon Musk credit. I'm curious to see what he does with this stake. It came out of nowhere. It's shocking to see it. And it would be an example of a guy actually sticking to his principles and being able to pay this thing down after he used the system. Um, but it's always that you're always going to have, no matter what system, like, look, if, if we have a full free market system, awesome, right? But even in that system, it's still going to be people that can influence markets. Even with Bitcoin, look at what happens with Bitcoin, right? Decentralized marketplace, you still have whales that have money that influence the system. Any system can be corrupted and will be corrupted. And it's up to us to provide the checks and balances to that system. Now, in the government we have right now, it is heavily weighted against us because government's so big, because crony capitalists have so much fucking power. It's up to us to fight back. And that's what you and I are doing. But, you know, the deck's stacked. Elon Musk came out of nowhere with his special autistic electric motor powers and made an empire, you know, like fucking good on him, man. I I don't fault the guy. I'm a little bit surprised that uh, Elon's not trying to just create his own social media company to compete outright. I'm a little surprised that trying (laughs) to do a hostile takeover of Twitter uh, would be more effective. Now, again, he might well, just look at, what Trump, look at Trump's social media, dude. That thing just like farted out into nothingness. Yeah, but the, <laughs> you know? the other part, because Trump's whole thing is pretending like he can build stuff and then 
yeah. flipping it or selling it to other people. So that was, you know what That's I mean? It. That 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 one was doomed from the start. What's it, what's interesting about uh, Elon Musk is with Starlink. I mean, he potentially has what you know. It's some like you even had that parlor, which basically just got taken down by the hosting services, I believe, of Amazon. So it's like no one's bulletproof. Uh, but Elon Musk potentially with Starlink could be and that he would actually have like an it's almost like an alternative highway system. I do have a question for you, Betty Elon Musk. I was just thinking about this the other day. I understand the money like Bill Gates. I understand how that guy's a billionaire. Like I had a file. I've used Microsoft computers my entire life. Like I understand how he got there. I understand. uh, What's the name? Bezos. I understand Amazon. I understand how much money is in Amazon. I don't understand how a car manufacturer is on the same league as these people. If you consider the fact that there's no CEO of general motors, who's, I mean, the CEO of general motors probably makes $25 million a year. There's no, you know what I mean? There's no single owner in car companies that are with that are worth like i don't understand how tesla's uh evaluation brings you to a level of an oh. elon musk like i, I mean I, it brings you to uh like jeff bezos i understand the wealth of amazon i understand how that happens i don't understand the must thing as to how he's worth as much as he is i also was so confused especially when tesla they were like they were mar- you know they were forecasting like they're not even going to meet the minimum demands of the marketplace, like people that had their their cars reserved, and I don't even think they're not. profitable. I think it's mostly the government credits. I think. Well, here's the thing: I was talking to my dad about this actually because the market. I think the market's buying into Tesla's battery technology, and Tesla. Not a lot of people know this. Tesla has walls that are like solar walls that you install in your house that are like bricks. They're like solar bricks. And apparently, I think people are buying into that as like the next wave technology and their battery technology for storage as why so much money is flowing into them. Like the everyday know, person that's all, just that's all just growth. That's all like that. It, it like is. It, it's speculation, so many, man. You I know mean, how many companies have existed on the like it will be profitable in the future. Oh yeah, dot com, pets dot com. It was worth I'm like just saying, seventy billion dollars. <laughs> the idea that based on what Musk has done so far, he's going to win the battery award. Like there's no other scientist that's going to come around or corporation that might have better battery powers. I well, don't you know. You said it yourself, man. He's got so much money and power now. Maybe he'll fucking turn tail and just be like, now nah, let's regulate the shit out of these people. They're not getting to market. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> his, ne- his next kid will be named fuck other battery manufacturers. By the way, do you I like how Grimes, Grimes left Elon Musk, Musk and was literally like uh I'm a lesbian now. She just went from Musk to Muff. There you <laughs> Instantly. go. I also don't even understand the entire uh, electric car racket. Well, to take yeah. a step back, the only reason why uh, I, I forgot which book I read this in, but instantly it clicked in my head. The only reason why gas and gas cars are as popular as they are is because of the government infrastructure to support it. If there weren't the roads that were a government investment, or even the wars that we fought, like, would we be on car? Like, it, in other words, they built the framework by which it makes sense to go buy a car in order to travel around. If government didn't, you know, plan these things and put down roads, cars might make zero sense whatsoever. Now, I don't know what the alternative would be, right? But I'm just saying the only reason why car going to purchase a car makes sense is because of the way government's kind of planned out our country with highways and all the other things that exist there. Yeah. But now, if you look at, the combustion engine against like electric vehicles. Now I know my, my, my apartment's got electric heat. It's insanely expensive. Right. So I I, like with the way technology gets better, like, and 
I, I don't know. Do you think 20 years from now, if we were still in combustion engines, you might have cars that could do what a Ferrari did on, you know, 40 miles to a gallon. It could be technology gets better. Whereas your new battery technology, the cars don't last more than 10 years. So if they take more to produce, they're not going to be on the road for as long. And then I don't know how easily recyclable they are. Are they actually environmentally more friendly? Are they even cheaper overall if you still have to burn electricity to like to, to get them? There's something that just I, I, I'm not a scientist. I don't know all the details. I'm just saying that, like, if I look at it from a bird's eye view, I don't entirely buy the picture that they're environmentally more friendly uh, or I that agree. they're even like that they're even the wiser, you know, environmental investment. It could be. Uh, I'm not saying it isn't. Yeah. I'm just saying from a bird's eye view, these cars are not going to last on the road for as long. So Dude, I totally agree. I think that I don't think the infrastructure is in place. And even if they are right, if everybody gets an electric car, like I said, electric heat, electric everything, you still need a fossil fuel backbone because the battery technology, again, this is maybe what Tesla can solve, but I don't have faith in them doing it. The battery technology doesn't exist to be able to hold enough energy to support a pure renewable energy backbone. You have to have fossil fuels. And what these idiots don't know is if we all want electric cars tomorrow, the entire infrastructure of the United States, as far as our power grid, still has to be powered by coal and by like burning uh, waste and like fossil fuels at the end of the day, because we're not there yet. But like you said, the question is, if we didn't have the emphasis on highways and roads, and like in LA, they used to have a train system like, like San Francisco, like the, one of the best trolley systems. They ripped that shit up because the auto industry lobbied them to. So they did. Right. Right. If they didn't do that, who knows? And it's like with hydrogen fuel cells, right? Everybody was talking about hydrogen fuel cells. What happened to that shit? What happened? Uh, there was some guy that was supposedly had a, an engine that ran on water. What happened to that shit? I don't know. But I have to think, like you were saying, that in the interim, right, in the next 20 years, if there weren't so many people trying to regulate the shit out of fossil fuels, if we actually have a fossil fuel dearth, right? If we, if, if fuel prices are skyrocketing, what's going to happen is someone's going to figure out how to make that combustible engine super efficient where two drops of fuel or Marty McFly, Doc Brown style, you can just fucking take a shit in your engine and it goes, that's going to happen, right? So let the market figure it out and stop putting all this money into sustainable bullshit that doesn't work anyway. Cause it's, cause it's impossible right now. I agree a hundred percent. It's as simple as leave it to the fucking markets. Yeah. Amen. Well, let's, uh, Robbie, do you have 15 minutes to do a little bonus show? We'll wrap this Dude, one up. I'm I'm drinking. I'm having fun. I'll hang here all night. I don't care. Let's do awesome. it. Awesome. Shit. Well, that's what I like to hear. You guys heard it. So I'm going to wrap here. Robbie, where, where, where can people find you? They know you. Most people know you, but where can they find you? Where can they listen to you in, in general? And then we'll go into a little bonus episode. All right. So here, uh, Robbie, the fire on both uh, Twitter and Instagram, where you throw that into YouTube, you'll find me. Uh, I do the daily briefings. They're not quite daily, but they're usually three or three to five times a week. Uh, and then Summer Porch Tour is uh, in the works. So uh, be on the lookout for some live dates. Dude, I love Summer Porch Tour. It's such an awesome com- uh, concept, dude. <laughs> Where are you you're out in California? Yeah, I'm in LA, man. I've got a patio. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, I, will ho- I will host you at will my you? house. All oh, right, done 100%, deal. 100%. 100%. How done. many? Uh, I'll, do, uh, I'll do an hour stand up, and then you and I can do a crossover live pod. Dude, that'd be awesome, man. How many, I would how, love that. How many people can we have out to your house? I could say, now here's the only thing. It depends on the timing. So having renovations done, but I think regardless, I could still host it. Um, I, dude, we could easily fit. Well, my wife will let me get away with probably, I'd say a hundred. Let's do it. When, yeah. uh, when you start okay. renovations. 
That's it's TBD because it depends on permits and all that shit. So what when do you usually do the the uh, the tour? So I'm Summer, doing right? I, I'm 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 kickstarting this one early. You can get the official announcement. This has not been made uh, officially <laughs> Exclusive. yet. Exclusive. First one is going to be a tops top lobsters ranch in Florida. Uh, it's okay. going to be the, I believe the first week of May, and it's going to be a crossover pod with uh um the tower pod. So I'm going to do stand up okay, the and then a live gang, yeah. podcast with the tower gang. Oh shit, man! Yeah. Um, but you and I, once we get off this, we can just pick a weekend. Uh, Saturdays are best because it's easiest uh, to draw. But yeah. we'll do it. Do you have a? Do you have like a like even just a like a a guitar amp that we could plug into? Oh uh, yeah, man. I I I got. I'll, I'll figure it out. Don't worry. Like I said, I, I I'm going to be starting up my stand up show again. I think very soon so either way i'm gonna have to buy a pa system because the one i used to have is long gone so no, let's do it. we just it. uh yeah. we just gotta pick a saturday i'll come out i'll do a stand up put up some tickets we'll do a live podcast afterwards that's it done deal done awesome dude lock it in you heard it here first guys so make sure to check out robbie the fire everywhere he just told you of course part of the problem run your mouth and uh we'll see him here in Where, los angeles uh, oh you're in, you're in los angeles yeah, man. How far is Los Angeles? Because I was talking to a guy who was trying to find me a venue in uh, from New York. It's across the country. <laughs> no, he was trying to find me at, uh, like Long Beach. But is Long is that the same general I'm actually, area? I'm so I'm a I'm closer to Long Beach than like when you think LA, you probably think of comedy store in Hollywood, right? right. I'm much much farther south, so I'm, right. I'm below the airport. Long Beach is probably about twenty five minutes south of me. Okay. Yeah. Hey, let's do it. I'll just tell him I found uh I found a porch. <laughs> Yeah, man. Sounds good. I, my wife will just have to, to suck it like she does most things. <laughs> there you go. All right. So here we go. So we're going to, we're going to go to the bonus show. If you want to listen to that, you got to go to patreon.com forward slash lions of Liberty or lions of Liberty dot locals. Robbie, the fire. You're a, uh, a wonderful man, a scholar and a gentleman. And I thank you for joining me. Hey man, this is a pleasure. I'm going to keep drinking my whiskey here and uh, let's go all night, dude. Hell Yeah.